Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good, good, good. My name is, for those who don't know me, my name is John. I'm one of the members here at Transit, and it is uh, my pleasure to be able to uh, share the word with you this morning. So again, thanks for coming out. Um, it is uh, Memorial Day weekend. Um, so, you know, plenty of people here in the, in the military and the government or have been in the military, so I'm sure that there are friends um, and possibly even family that you've lost, so definitely take some time to remember those this weekend. Uh, for me, before Memorial Day was a military thing, when I was just a little kid, uh, Memorial Day weekend, think on either Friday or Saturday, I'd go to the, the florist or you know, somewhere to get flowers with my mom. We'd buy flowers, and then me and my mom and my dad would get dressed up and go uh, put flowers on graves of people from our family who had passed. So I grew up doing that every Memorial Day. So definitely a good time to, to remember. Um, so we're going to continue in our Sermon on the Mount series. We're going to skip to the beginning of chapter 7. We're not going to skip the scripture, though. We'll come back to, to chap the end of chapter 6 next week. Um, but we're going to be in chapter 7 right at the beginning, verses uh, 1 through 6. So uh, before we get started today, um, take uh, a brief moment to pray over the message, and we'll dive in. So let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you that we can gather here today together to worship you, that we can fellowship with one another sing songs, hear your word, and, and be together in your name, Lord. We thank you for that. And Lord, on this Memorial Day, we pray for those who are mourning in New York and those who are mourning in Texas over the tragic events that have taken place over the last few weeks, Lord. And we also lift up all those who are grieving uh, those lost in protection of this nation. So, Father, as we get into the word, please open our hearts that we could hear the message that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. So, like I said, we're going to jump into the beginning of chapter uh, 7, verses 1 through 6 in our series on the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is telling the crowds about the kingdom, about the character of its citizens, about the promises of God, um, about how to live fully in relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So today, the, the, the verse that we'll look at, the verses that we'll look at, verse 1 starts out with, Judge not that you be not judged. Very popular verse. Very, very popular verse I found, especially among those who aren't Christians. You know, I'm not picking on anybody, but like, this is the verse that it seems like people know. Judge not, that you be not judged. Uh, because this is where people get to call Christians hypocrites because you're judgmental, you're judging me. You know, don't, don't judge me. The, the retort when you say that there is a moral right and wrong, that there is a truth, that there is a standard of conduct is, uh, the Bible says don't judge. Um, so we'll talk about that a little bit later on, but that's really not what's going on here in that verse, and hopefully I can uh, explain that today. I mean, I really will say up front that I can't do this message justice. One, there's several messages in one message, and just, it's, it's so important that I know that I'm not equal to the task. 
And just as a little side note, and, and you know, I know that Nick can relate to this. Um, to get up here and talk about God's word week after week, it's, it's like being asked to do a task. It's just not possible. You know, none of us can measure up to deliver the power of this word, the power of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I'll do my best. I'll do my best with that disclaimer. Um, and I want to quote a famous theologian as we get started to kind of set the mood, Pastor Nick. And you'll have to, you'll, you'll, you'll have to ask him if he got this from somebody else or not. But when we talk about not judging, when we talk about not judging, when we talk about making room for people, Nick said this in a sermon a, a few weeks ago, view people by their destiny instead of their history. And that's really what Jesus is talking about here when he says, don't judge. He's not really talking about right or wrong. He's talking about placing a label on somebody. He's talking about to making a conclusion that we're not set to make, doing something that we're not capable of doing. Because we can't see a person's destiny if we're looking through the lenses of judgment that Jesus is talking about in this verse. We cannot see something future, something better, something redemptive in them if we have on our blinders of judgment. And sinful judgments lead entire populations of people to write off entire populations of other people. This isn't just individual. It's also collective. The individual aspect is there, but it's certainly collective. So, brief story time, all right? So, although I'm not wearing it today, I'm not wearing my Cincinnati stuff today, I'm wearing my, I'm wearing my third United States Infantry stuff today because we do funeral honors in the cemetery, so I figured that's good for Memorial Day weekend, right? To wear the old guard shirt. Um, but I went to the University of Cincinnati many moons ago. It's getting more and more moons ago, you know, as the years go along. I'm like, man, I'm, I think I might be old. But I, I came to Cincinnati as a young, aspiring, electrical engineering technology major that lasted for about two, three weeks, you know. <laughs> and I said, nah, I'm not going to do that. Um, so I, I changed my major a couple times, and then I found this thing called ROTC. And in ROTC, you basically got two majors in ROTC, engineers and criminal justice. I had already done the engineering thing, so criminal justice was was a choice for me. It's like, what does this have to do with anything? So I had decided at that point, hey, I'm going to be an Army officer. I know what I'm going to do when I grow up, so I'm just going to get through college. I'm just going to get this degree, um, and I'm going to sign up every quarter for, uh, you know, 18, 21 hours of classes, knowing that I'm going to drop six hours, you know, or three hours. So I'm going to find the easiest classes in the first week, and then I'm going to drop them by phone, there was no dropping online. You know, you had to drop by phone or by paper. Um, so I saw this class, the film history of World War II. I said, that, that is a history credit, and that is what I'm looking for. I'm going to go in, I'm going to watch movies about World War II, and it's going to be an easy class. I'm taking it. Sure did. So I signed up for it, and sure enough, it's one of the best classes that I took in college, but it was much different than what I thought it was going to be. Because I thought we were just going to watch World War II, you know, documentaries and take tests. 
But what it was really about was about the propaganda that the combatants used against each other. The way that they made cartoons and films and these other things that dehumanized the other side, so, the out, so, so both sides were doing it, you know, both sides were, were doing it to each other, depicting each other as animals in films and things like that. So how collectively they passed judgment on their enemies, how they dehumanized one another to make it easier to hate and kill them, to judge their culture as inferior, to judge their motivations as inferior, to judge their worth as inferior, so that to galvanize whole nations against other nations in war. This is the kind of judgment that Jesus is talking about, because this sinful judgment makes it easier to not look at people created in the image of God, but look at them as something else, something worthy of being discarded or destroyed. So let's jump in into today's passage. Again, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye and do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. So that's our, our, our passage that we'll look at today. Now, even though I was a criminal justice major, I did take a little bit of math. I took a little bit of math in college. And in, in, in taking that little bit of math, I learned that if you want to turn a negative into a positive, you multiply it by, by negative one, right? So what I want to do here, because it says judge not, so that's kind of telling us what not to do. So if I multiply this by uh, a negative one, the, the positive aspect that, that I think is the main point today is give mercy because you have received mercy. Give mercy because you have received mercy. So that's what we're going to talk about um, today. I'm going to make a few sub points and then we'll get on up out of here. Sound good? All right. So give mercy because you have received mercy. So the first sub point here is the judgment in view is condemnation. The judgment that Jesus has in view here is condemnation. It's deciding the, the final disposition of a person. It's deciding whether they receive the kingdom or whether they go somewhere else, right? It's saying that looking at a person by some action, some aspect of them, that, that they are not worthy really of you. But we can, we can, you know, sprinkle some spiritual dust on it and say, you know, this isn't one of God's people. You are a sinner. You are whatever, and, and there is no redemption and no hope for you. So Jesus is really telling us, telling his audience not to take on the role of God. Do not play God 
with other people. And it's important to, for us to remember that Jesus is talking about the kingdom. He's talking about the kingdom citizens, even if he's not exclusively talking to them. He, again, he's talking about the character of the people that truly walk with and love him. But not on day one. We all had to come from somewhere, right? And we'll get into that a little bit more. So there is still right and wrong. There are still some thou shalt nots and thou shalts that we, that we pay attention to. There, and, and we know this. You know, even in using that don't judge, we, we know. A lot of times, and this is just in my experience, don't judge only comes out when somebody kind of knows that they're already wrong. So Jesus doesn't negate that. He doesn't negate that, but he's saying nobody is beyond hope. And did he not live that? Jesus didn't condemn humans. He didn't condemn us. While we were yet sinners, not while we got our act together, not, not while we, you know, did the latest self-help trend or were living our best lives. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And as far as we believe here, that same Jesus, the Son of God, is also God. So he had the authority, you know, had he wanted to condemn us. But he did not. So who are we to do what even Jesus didn't do? Only God has the authority to pronounce that final judgment. So the judgment in view here is condemnation, and condemnation is squarely and surely above our pay grade. It's above us. You know, it's, it's above us. It's something that we need not worry too much about understanding because that is God's that's what God does. That's his prerogative, his responsibility. We are to give mercy because we have received mercy, even while we were yet sinners. So the next point here for those taking notes, your judgment sets a standard that earns you at least three more judges. It earns you at least three more judges. Because when we read that for the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and the measure you use, it will be measured to you. A lot of times we think about, if I judge, then God's going to judge me. And, and, and there's truth to that. The Bible, the Bible says as much. In James chapter 4, verse 12, um, James says that there's only one lawgiver and judge. God is that only lawgiver and judge. And a brief... Uh, parable here that won't be on the screen that's related is uh, Matthew 18, starting in verse 21, the parable of the unforgiving servant. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this, um, and then I'll, then I'll make the point here. Then Peter came up and said to him, said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife 
and children and all he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. Forgave it. He didn't give him time to pay it back. He forgave it. He forgave the debt. But when that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me. I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do, every, will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So in judgment, we're not necessarily directly talking about forgiveness uh, being the opposite of that. But you see that aspect where... There is a forgiveness given, but it is not shared forward. And that God will be that judge, because we're talking about earning at least three more judges. So God does have the, the authority and the ability to, to make those judgments. So that's one. The second one is the watching world. Kind of what I talked about in the beginning. You know, your... your Somebody you bump into who finds out you're a Christian and then you say something and they're like, oh, the Bible says don't judge. You know, the Bible says don't judge. That's, that's judgmental. Sometimes maybe it is, but a lot of times it's not, right? But that watching world is quick to say that. And they also share in our hypocrisy. If, you, if I look around, all I see is hypocrisy inside the church, outside the church. And, you know, some of it's blatant and, and some of it's just not because we forget where we came from. We forget what we've received. We forget um, even outside of, of the Bible, just, just my, when I think about my parents, my goodness, me? I was a bad kid. You know, I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you. You know, I was, I was real bad. Um, so, you know, for me to, to then go out and, you know, point all these fingers at other people, um, you know, it's definitely hypocrisy. So God, the watching world. But here's one that I actually don't read about in any commentaries. So, you know, I may be adding a little something here. But again, it's something that I've observed. That third judge, it's you. It's me. Because we might be able to put something over on the watching world. We definitely can't put something over on God. And when we're honest with ourselves, we also can't put, on, put over anything on ourselves because we know what we've received. We know the forgiveness that we've had. We know the mistakes that we've made, but yet we're going to hold somebody else accountable for something similar or maybe not even as bad. Why? Because at the end of the day, it inconvenienced us. Again, it bumped up against one of our delicate sensibilities. 
And, you know, receiving mercy and denying it to somebody else, when, when we're real, we, we, we see our own hypocrisy. Then what do we do? We can uh, answer for it, own up to it, or we can run away from it. People do that as well. They continue to run from it. So not only is God going to measure it back to you, other people are going to put that measure up against you, but we're going to put that measure up against ourselves, and that's going to create just some, some, some cognitive dissonance that sometimes we can't get over, especially if we decide that we're going to continue to run and hide and heap judgment on top of judgment on top of lies and everything else, and we go somewhere that it's hard to return from. So our judgment earns us at least three more judges. Giving mercy because we've received mercy is paying it forward, and clearly it's honoring God. So the third one here, the log is always in your eye, no matter what. The log is always in your eye. As we read this, we start to think about these degrees of sin. You know, there's a speck in my brother's eye, so there's a log in my eye. So, but what if what I did isn't worse than what my brother or my sister did? You know, don't they then have the log? No. The log is always in your eye because if you receive mercy, you receive forgiveness, and you don't pay it forward, that's the greater sin. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that you are in the greater point of sin kind of no matter what when you don't make that space. Now, I, I'm a, I came up in, in children's church a little bit as a, as a children, not as a child. I didn't grow up in church, but, you know, as starting ministry, I went to children's church. So in children's church, you always got all these hand motions and different things. And, you know, I'm the guy who didn't want to do the hand motions, but I said, well, if I'm going to be a teacher, I guess I got to do the motions. But not all the kids did. So I'm going to ask you real quick to do some hand motions today in church. It's really just one, so it's very easy. So I'm going to ask you to participate to, to show why, another reason why the log is always on your own eye. So if you would, put up your index finger. Now, don't point it at anybody. You know, don't want anybody to think. Okay, hold it about arm's length. Don't hit anybody. So it's about arm's length, all right? Now, start to bring it closer without poking your eye out. Start bringing it closer, 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 closer. All right, don't hit yourself. This finger is sin. This is the speck in your brother or your sister's eye. But as it comes closer to you and it's your sin, it's right in your face. So that's why the degree of sin doesn't matter. It can be the same size. It can even be smaller. But when it's yours, you're responsible for it. How can you look past something that you need to work out to try to help somebody else? So that's why the log is always in our eye. Jesus doesn't specify a particular sin. He doesn't give an example. So, for instance, you did this, but they did that, which is much worse or not quite as bad. No, it's not that. The log is always in your eye because it's, it's not about who committed the worst sin. It's about taking responsibility. It's about accountability. In, in uh, the lingo 
of Southwest, American, you know, United, whoever, airlines, put on your oxygen mask first so that you can help others. You can't look past this thing to try to help somebody else. Meanwhile, you're passing out because you haven't taken care of yourself. Give mercy because you have received mercy. Now, this log is not necessarily a bad thing. Fourth point here, or subpoint. It's only one point. Give mercy because you've received mercy. But this is another subpoint. And that is the log in your eye is a vehicle for empathy, not a mark of shame. We don't have to ignore the log because if we acknowledge it, there's shame there. No, that's not the point. Facing your plank, uh, it, can be, it can be painful. I know this firsthand. You know, I'm still apologizing to people that I grew up with for things I did uh, when I was younger. Still, I'm 40-something years old, <laughs> you know? I've, I've been out of school for almost three decades, but there's, still, but there's things that I, that I realized that I did wrong there um, that I'm still apologizing for. But that's really not the point. The point is, is that because of that, then I can understand firsthand that people make mistakes, that people need redemption. That's not a theory for me. Um, it's, it's real. Then, it, you know, that, that pain can produce humility and understanding if we let it do its work. Let's look at Luke chapter 7, verses 41 through 43. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. When we take a realistic look, at where God has brought us, what he's brought us out of, and the opportunities that he has placed before us, that love can increase. Now, to, create, to, to paraphrase another fairly important theologian, Paul, you know, so should I sin all the more that grace may abound? Let it never be. So I'm not saying that, but if we just take a realistic look of where we came from and the path that we're on, there is an opportunity to turn this negative into something that becomes a very huge realization of the love that the Father has for us. And as far as pain and suffering goes, God made Jesus perfect through suffering. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. Jesus had to become like us, to become our merciful and faithful high priest, Hebrews 2, 17. And Jesus can sympathize with our weaknesses because he experienced them, Hebrews 4, 15. So there's redemption even in, in our sin. Jesus was without sin and took it on, but as with the, these two people that owed the money lender, uh, that forgiveness can be a, a source of incredible love. So that 
that log in our eye can become a vehicle for empathy. It becomes easier to give mercy as we understand and embrace the amount of mercy that we've received from God. But there's still an expectation of discernment. We're not called to be gullible or to be doormats or anything like that. So my, my last uh, sub-point here, remain, village, remain vigilant because evil people are still out there. Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So there's still, there's still a, a danger out there. This is not a, a blind and, and gullible faith, but what we're talking about here is discernment. Dogs and pigs are, are evil people, and Jesus can make that call. So talk about, you know, don't judge in one verse, and then Jesus is talking about dogs and pigs in another verse. Remember, Jesus is the Son of God. He can make that call. It's not for us to label people dogs and pigs. It's up to us to discern what we see based on evidence and to act accordingly. That doesn't mean that we have to write people off. It just means that we have to keep our pearls, whatever those may be, we have to keep those things safe, even as we refrain from final judgment, not from using intelligent judgment and wisdom, but from the final judgment, telling somebody this is who you are, what you do, and where you're going. Now, the conventional view is that the, is that the pearl here in view is, is the kingdom of God, <clears throat> because the Bible says as much in another place. Um, in the gospel. So does that mean that we don't share the gospel? No, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that we don't share the gospel. And I think there's probably more there. So, you know, I had to dig through, you know, the, the, the different books and different things like that. But the, and there's another view that says, don't overinterpret what, the, what that pearl is. Just know that it's something important, that it's something precious, but don't over interpret it. So I, so I think that that pearl is, is trust. Who, who am I opening myself to? You know, who am I, again, going back to children's church, who, who is going to be in charge there? You know, are we doing background checks? Are we discerning who we put there? It's just being smart about the things that are very precious, because our call is to make disciples of, of all nations. I don't think that we, if, if the standard was don't share the gospel with people who don't believe, then I wouldn't be able to be up here delivering this sermon today. Because I didn't come out of the womb as a chaplain or a Christian. And I wasn't that through elementary school and middle school and high school. I, I wasn't that, right? So somewhere, somebody who's sitting in the vicinity of right there, shared s some pearls with me that brought me um, into the, that, that, that God used to bring me into the kingdom. So don't overinterpret that, but just know that there's a vigilance, uh, yeah, vigilance and a discernment that we have to use. Remain 
vigilant because evil people were still out there. However, we're not Jesus. So we have to give mercy to uh, prevent that vigilance and that diligence from turning into judgment. So what? That's, that's a, an army expression there. So what? So what's the so what? What's the so what? Right? We've kind of already given it, give mercy, because you've received mercy. But the specific uh, application of what's happening in mind is challenge your inclination to condemn by giving mercy. Challenge that initial inclination to condemn by giving mercy. So how do we do that? First, we show mercy. In uh, Matthew chapter 5, you know, here at the beginning of Sermon on the Mount, he says, you know, blessed are the merciful, right? Blessed are the merciful. Luke says it this way in uh, chapter 6, verse 36. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. That's given mercy because we've received it. We want to emulate the father. We're not the father, but we're his children. So it's enough for us to be like the father. You know, we don't have to surpass him. So show mercy. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. Second one, embrace your enemies. Talked about that, um, I think, when Nick was preaching, uh, Matthew 5, 43 to 48. You know, we've got to love our enemies and pray for them. Man, God, you're killing me. But it's there. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not our opinion. You know, it's there. Luke, um, again, going to Luke chapter 6, verse 35. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So there's an aspect, and this, again, is why we got to be careful about the, the dogs and pigs, because there's an aspect where people who we might even think have we're not judging them, so we're not going to call them dogs and pigs, but they might have dog and pig-like characteristics, the negative ones, the negative ones, you know, because there's some positive characteristics in both of those, but the negative ones. Um, but there's still something we have to do to embrace those people. There's still something that we have to do for them or about them or at least in, in, our, in, our, in our minds and in our hearts. You know, there, there's a reach to wanting something better for them. And then third, integrate justice and mercy while erring on the side of humility. One of my favorite verses. How often is that said? <laughs> but Micah 6.8 it really is one of my favorite verses. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So there's a, judge, there's, a, there's a justice aspect there. But there's also a love kindness. In some, it's love mercy. But walking humbly with God. So we want to err on the side of humility. We want to err on the side of humility because that's what checks us. 
And again, we want to remember where we came from. We want to embrace that as, as evidence of the work that God has done in us and those around us and the work that he can and will continue to view, or to do. So these actions, getting back to Pastor Nick's quote, this is how we view people by their destiny instead of by their history. It's, it's extending some, some goodwill in our heart. Now, that's going to look different depending on what's going on because we're not, we're not called, again, to be gullible. But there's an aspect of as long as there is breath in their lungs, that God, they're not beyond God's reach. So we shouldn't put them beyond his reach in our minds and in our hearts. Give mercy because you have received mercy. We want to challenge that inclination to, to just really condemn people to whatever for whatever reason. Grace makes space. It makes space. It makes space for God to do a work in our lives. Because remember, I said we can be our own judges and the, really the only way we can avoid that if we're caught in some of that self-hypocrisy is not just to hide from ourselves. We also have to hide from God to do that. We have to make the space that we allow God to have in our life a little smaller um, if, if there is a chance of us to try to get away with that, which we can't, so you can't get away with it, so don't try, please. Very painful. It makes space for the others around us because we're not all the same. We have differences. You know, we have physical differences. We have differences of where we grew up, things like that. So there's some space and some things that we have to get around to, to allow that to grow as well. And it makes space for you. Thank, thankfully, thank the Lord that I'm not stuck where I came from. You know, because it wouldn't be a good place to be because I, I've, I've had a glimpse of that by looking at, maybe some others who didn't necessarily come out the same way. And, and the places that, that, that they are at 40 or 50-something are, it's sad. You know, really, really, it's sad. Um, but, you know, there's still a chance for them as well. And imagine if everybody in the world who said they're Christians. Now, whether we, you know, look at, you know, do they, you know, do they act like Christians, whatever, they just declare that they're Christians. If they could refrain from judgment, how would things be different? How would some of these right-left conversations in our country be different if we didn't pass judgment on one another? Just the Christians. Just the Christians. Nobody else. So, you know, as a, as a church, as individuals, you know, may, may we be at least a small glimmer of that in our world. All right, I'll call up the, the worship team, and we'll, we'll land this plane. Ho hopefully nobody will need to put on an oxygen mask before we, before we wrap up. But if you do, put yours on first, and then help, help your neighbor. All right, so as we get ready to respond to the message, um, 
respond in, in a few different ways. We've got the, the giving box there in the back. And Nick mentioned me mentioning the, the giving box. I listened to your sermon. Even though, even though I was in COVID isolation back, you know, a while back. So I'm, I'm over it now. I'm over it now. But, um, you know, one way is, is that we give. We give, you know, do we give to the kingdom? I, I guess, you know, I, we give so we can do the work, but, but God builds his kingdom and he will build his kingdom with or without our money, but it is an opportunity for us to participate. We'll also take communion after that. We'll, uh, we'll listen to, I mean, we'll participate. We will sing a song to the Lord. Um, so for communion, as I mentioned, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and that's what we remember in communion. We remember that when we were worthy of judgment, God withheld his judgment by sending his only son to die for us. So as we celebrate this and we take the, the bread, the wafer, let me slow down. I got ahead of myself. If you don't have communion elements, they are out in the hall. See people running like, ah. I'll slow down. But this represents his body that was broken for us. Again, while we were sinners and worthy of judgment and condemnation, his body was broken for us. So we take this and we eat it in remembrance of that. So take and eat. And the juice, the wine, represents his blood that was poured out for us, that cleansed us, that made a way for us to receive that mercy that he freely gave. Take and drink. Lord, thank you for your sacrifice on our behalf. Thank you that you withheld judgment. Thank you that you continually reach for us, even as the thief on the cross who was there condemned by men, but loved and embraced by you. So Father, may that be in the front of our minds and may we live by your example in all of our interactions. In Jesus' name.